Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I, you know, I, I keep being amazed at how this show is as much a geography lesson for me as anything else. I did not know where Porto, Portugal was. I know where Lisbon is. I have a client there, but I didn't know where Porto was uh, until I looked today getting ready for our conversation with our guest Norberto Amaral, who is the uh, co-organizer, organizer, curator, licensee there at TEDx Porto. But your t-shirt says, Oh, Porto. Tell me, what's the story there, Norbert? Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. So this is kind of a, an old story that we had because we used to have a, um, another licensee first, and he wanted to give this as it, is, as it still is. Uh, he wanted this TEDx event to be very open to the outside world. Sure. So he came up with this very strange concoction of names, which I'm not entirely sure whether it was entirely legal, but um, it Initially, it was Oporto, as in the English spelling. Oh, so, got it. Recently, we changed it to Porto because most people in Porto really like you know, their own ways of doing it. And sure. That's how we decided to do it now. I, as I was looking on the map, it said Porto, and I said, where's Oporto? But again, that's, that's uh, one of the wonderful things about TEDx is we get to meet interesting people from all over the world. So, uh, Norberto, what was the first time that you had a taste of TED? What was your first experience? I think I must have been one of the first people that I know that's watched those um, TED Talks, the ones that first came out. Uh, in what, 20 years, uh, in, 2006 in, or 2007? Yeah, 06, that's right, right? 06, yeah. Right? And soon I was sharing them with other people, you know, still, you know, on, on email, uh, no Facebook, no nothing, just emails and, hey guys, have a look at this. Right. I was really amazed at, you know, how so much information could be put in those few minutes. Was, right. I was amazed at that immediately. That was um, that was pretty amazing experiment that that Chris and Ruth did right, which was at the very beginning to when they were first able to put video on the internet was to try those talks and now now look at uh, what a billion views last year exactly. amazing it, and so so now you know what TED is you watch for a few years and then TEDx starts when did you do your first TEDx Well, it was kind of a funny thing because what happened was that. The very first time that there was a TEDx portal in, was in 2010, okay. and I didn't know about it. I, did, I had no idea. So on Monday, my previous boss came back to my place, to my, to my desk, and said, you know, you have no idea where I've been this weekend. And I said, what? Where have you been? Well, I, was to TEDx, I went to TEDx portal. I said, what? Was there such a thing here? I had no idea. Oh, my gosh. And I was so envious. You can imagine that, right? Sure, of so, course. I was the guy who told him, you know, there's this thing called TED. No. <laughs> but I, I got my revenge because this is what I found out. I found that there was a, a co-worker, not very far from where I was, maybe just one or two miles uh, away. 
And um, I found out that she was in the team. And oh. as soon as she, we got to meet each other, you know, she saw, she said, you know, you would be a great addition to the, to the team. Oh. So I owe everything to her. <laughs> oh, fa- what's her name? We'll give her a shout out. Sophia, Sophia Ferreira. Okay, Sophia, thank you so much. So what, so then in 2011, did you pick up the license? Is that how that worked? So basically, um, I still had to, I was part of the team initially, you know, just uh, you know, a regular production guy, just carrying things around and, you know, being helpful, basically. Right. And uh, the next, um, in the next few months, basically the, the, the previous licensee wished to, to move on with his life, to do something different. But I said, you know, you have to keep on being the team. I will help you. I'm the guy with spreadsheets. I'm the guy who organizes things. So uh, don't worry. I've got that thing covered. And you can still go on stage. You can still, you know, shine like he does. You know, he's a great guy. But the thing is, um, you know, after that, I um, started taking on more responsibilities. And eventually, a year or so later, I became the organizer. And have you gone and done other things other than the main event? So have you done salons and lives and women and, and that? Yeah, we have about three or four lives so far. And three salons, which we loved, absolutely loved to organize because they're so much more engaging and get some more, more people in you know, a smaller, more intimate setting. Right. And um, yeah, we love that. And we haven't done a women yet, but we're going to do the next one now in uh, November. Now, have you, where's the next closest TEDx to you? We have plenty of TEDx uh, events around, in fact. The, the, the closest one by far is one called uh, Matuzinhos, which is literally just touching, you know, the two cities touch each other. So they're basically part of the same uh, metropolitan area. And do you, do you, how do you support each other? We don't support each other very much, but we know each other. So we go sure. to each other's events and we, we've met a, a few times already. We also, um, they were also present at one of our workshops that we organized uh, last April. Well, actually on the 31st of March on the eve of our, our, our most recent event. Uh, but it's something that we, we, we have very different lives and it wasn't really always easy for us to, to communicate, you know, um, in, in, uh, in a way that was conducive to our to, 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 you know, to work together. You know, you said, you said it so quickly, your, your event this last year was on April 1st and yet you had a workshop on March 31st. I cannot imagine how, I mean, I know how crazy busy my team is the night before that. Well, the, the week before, and then two days before, and then dress rehearsal the day before and a, a speaker and partner mixer the night before. How the heck do you manage to do a workshop? I'm, I'm still wondering about that myself, Mark, to be honest. Um, the, first of all, we had a great team. And the team, uh, everybody knows what to do. And everybody, are, you know, most people are empowered to, to take decisions and to do exactly what they need to do in order to make things happen. So some of us were actually um, doing our last-minute training with uh, volunteers. Right. Some of us were at the workshop. Some of us were ferrying things around like um, um, food and drink and so on so that we, you know, we made sure that everything was, was working fine on both sides. But there was one thing that really helped us, which was kind of ironic, which is that the venue that we chose was only open for us to go in and start preparing literally at midnight before the event. Oh, my goodness. Okay, there's my story. So, You're yeah, kidding. So, 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 you, so whereas I take a, 
a whole day for my tech setup, and then the next day for my dress rehearsal, then we open up on the third day. You're saying you didn't even get in until 12 hours Midnight. before your event. Well, nine hours, in fact. And oh, so my most God. people were doing pulling an all nighter. So especially the, there was a, a there's a team that we call production. So they they are the ones who actually assemble the stage, right? And they're the ones who produced everything, basically everything that had to be assembled uh, in the stage and also outside, for example, like the check-in facilities. Right. Oh my gosh, that there's there's a story in there. Uh, now, has it always been that way, or is this a new venue for you? No, it's actually the second time we've done it like this. Uh, the first time was also a few years ago at this particular place. This is a very well-known place in Porto called mm. Casa de Musica or House of Music. Ah. And just about every day they have a different concerts. Oh. Uh, so the day before, the night before, they had uh, a concert. And we had to, to wait everybody to leave to, for, the, for the, uh, the stage to be vacated so that we could then go in. How many people uh, attend your event? Uh, this year, 1,100. And then we have the team itself and volunteers, so about another seventy people or so. So you're 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 killing me here. You <laughs> you set up all of the the staging, the AV, the registration, any kind of exhibits. Uh, all yeah. of that happens in nine hours. I'm uh, I am um, I'm incredibly impressed. Besides that. <laughs> What 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 makes your TEDx unique? Do you think what is it that you kind of go out of your way to make this very symbolic of of Porto? Well, I, I don't know how unique it is right now, but until not recently, um, we well until recently we we saw many talks online and, and from other TEDx events that had lots of inspirational talks and motivational talks. Right, and that's something that we. Over, I think, since 12, 2012, so for about seven, five years now, we've decided to go completely against it. I mean, of course, talks are inspirational. Of course, somehow they are motivational. But that we always have, you know, we always make that our talks do, do, do not have inspiration or, or motivation as the main aim. So that will be kind of a byproduct of the talk, of the involvement of the speaker and so on, of, of the power to, to engage other people, but not... Uh, we don't put coaches, for example, on, on stage and anything like that. So we, we, we try to do away with that, and we've been doing it successfully. Also because every time when we open the, um, the, the, that process for people to apply to become yes. speakers of TEDx Porto, we get obviously lots of people who, are, who come from that kind of right. area. Right, so same here, coaches. same with us. Exactly. So we, we, we politely refuse, and we politely refuse every year sometimes. But we right. have to keep doing it. And, and we explain to people exactly why we don't do this. We have a post on Medium saying, you know, this is what we're looking for in an idea or in a, in a, in a, in a talk. So that if you, if you have this, then you, you, we can start considering you. If we don't have it, I'm sorry, don't, you know, don't, don't bother, basically. That's, that's the bottom line. And I, I remember being kind of feeling vindicated by this but because uh, about a year after we started doing this, um, Chris Anderson gave a, a very powerful, powerful, spe powerful speech, a powerful um, um, indignation, as, 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 as I would say, at TED Global in 2013. He, he did, um, he, there was um, uh, a workshop for organizers, and he gave a talk, which is actually online, about what makes a powerful TED talk. 
And he said, stay away from coaches, stay away from, you know, personal development. And that eventually became policy, but I don't think it was policy until there, until then. I, uh, I was, I should know this, but I didn't realize it was policy. I know it's, uh, there's guidance, you know, to stay, it's to stay away. Um, and it's interesting because this year we, it was the first year we did that as well. And, uh, the majority of the speakers who submitted were in that area, right? You know, Mm -hmm. live coaching, inspiration and, and true stories well told about interesting advances in technology or whatever can be inspirational as well. But the, the story of, uh, I overcame adversity and you can too. Uh, I think we, there's enough of those in our library, don't you think? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I mean, we like that. It's, it's, um, human nature. We like those kinds of stories. So you have now, so how many, let's see, count up. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, how many Ted's have you done? So 12, I think, uh, at least. So that's about six that I actually directly organized. And another six that's, uh, well, three of them were salon and three were live. I think maybe there was one more live than that, but about 12, yeah. So I'm going to say that you're a veteran, and I'm going to guess that even as much as you are on top of all of the moving parts, because there's so many things to do, that there's still surprises that you come up to. And in your show this last year in April, what surprised you? Ah, that's a great question. Um, this this last event was very unique to us. Uh, for most of us in the team, it was a kind of a homecoming because um, this was the f- uh, the same venue that we held the, the previous very large that export, well, the first very large that exported that we had, which was in 2011. So it was like coming home and seeing mm. it all over again with different people, obviously, and you know the the. the some things are different, some things are the same. And it was very special to us from a very, very um, emotional uh, right. point of view. But the, the things that, you know, the, the things that we talk about, and there's a lot of transformation in our in our own events since then. Things are more professional. We prepare our speakers a lot more. Mm, sure, and sure. that really made us happy, you see. So that's kind of, you know, with the same setting, in the same context, but then everything else is so much more... Um, I would say developed. Where, where so do you think you may, I, I really, uh, I appreciate that. Um, cause I, again, I'm, our, our listener is probably thinking to themselves. Yeah. The, the first one that they did versus the, the most recent one that they did. But what's interesting for you is there were different venues in between and you came back. Where do you think you saw the most growth, the most improvement? Well, there was, um, for a few years, we used to be at a, a very good congress center that we have in Porto, which is slightly larger than the place where we are now, still a little bit more spacious. Also a place where we could assemble the room as we wanted. So we have over 1,200 people at some in, in, those, in those events, in three events. And also that we could keep on selling tickets. I mean, there, I know I, I like that idea of, about saying that we've sold out. At the same time, I always think that it's even better to say, okay, we've sold out, but we can still put a few more chairs because we can put more chairs. <laughs> so there was a point where we said, we're still selling out. Yeah, okay, you can still come in. We still have room for about 50 more people. That's okay. I mean, because the chairs aren't fixed. So we keep on growing because of that. And there was one time when we actually, I mean, two times, two editions where we had 
the room in a very, I would say, very uh, cold, uh, distant way where most people are very distant from the stage and sure. we stopped that. I mean, what we did at some point was actually to put the stage in the middle of oh a Oh my tank. goodness, really? Yeah. So not in the middle as in right at the center, but right. uh, on one of the sides of, of the, on one of the walls, let's say. But the, the stage all of a sudden had about twice, you know, was about twice the size. Right. And we have three, not just one screen, but three screens on all over, you know, in front wow. of people. Wow. And it was like a huge assembly. It's just beautiful to watch those pictures from that back then, which is amazing. And you set that up in nine hours. Come on. Well, those, those times were a little bit more <laughs> because it was a different venue. <laughs> it was a different venue. But we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. People, people are going to want to want to know. So, yeah. so the surprise was how nostalgic and how emotional yes. you were. One thing that really helped with that as well was the fact that um, because we had this workshop on the day before for the the, the, the region of Port of Four, the organizers around here, we have the um, the honor, really the honor, to welcome Jay Harity. So Jay, oh gosh, our nice. Event. So he was uh, with us for about, you know, about the morning, a, a big part of the afternoon. I actually asked him to come on stage, and you know, we had a quick Q&A. Uh, it was, as, as far as we know, one of the moments that people most enjoyed was to actually see the director of TED, the of TEDx course, program, of course. on stage to be asked a few questions in real time right in front of them. And it was so special. We absolutely loved that. I, I, you know, that the, the biggest surprise for the audience was that Jay's such a good guy and his, he just loves TEDx so much and he loves us as a community so much that what it, now, did you invite him to come out or was he already in Porto? <laughs> I can't imagine that. Um, I think we didn't actually directly invite him, but we nagged him for a few years. <laughs> so Okay, everybody, year, everybody who's listening, please don't nag Jay, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is how we do it. Basically, there was a number of things. It wasn't just one thing. I think, um, well, for a few few years, we had these workshops like in Berlin a few years ago in Vienna, and right. Jay was there. So we sent a few people from our team to go there. It was never me, myself, you know, going there. And then last year at TED Global, uh, we approached a few people. I talked to Tom Riley. I shouldn't say that, but okay. Um, so the, <laughs> there was a few a few favors in, on the way, obviously. So, but the, the thing is that at some point, a few weeks before the event, Aviva, you know, he's um, sure. His, his, uh, She's a, Aviva is a rock star. She listens to this she show. Is, so a big yeah. shout out to Aviva. Absolutely. Thanks, Aviva. So basically, she she sent me an email and say, oh, Jay's interested in going to the export. So given that you guys have, you know, this event, everybody's heard about, about it. And then, you know, that you guys are organizing your workshop as well. Okay. That was, you know, that, sound, that sounded very interesting because I never personally, you know, approached him directly saying, you know, right. would you like to so that was quite amazing. That was part of the process of amazement for that day. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a huge surprise. I love that. Other than trying, to, I mean, not trying, other than successfully building the stage and everything you had to do in nine hours, what was the biggest challenge? Uh, I like to think of challenges as dragons, uh, even though Game of Thrones, I now see that there are real dragons. But you know, what, what, <laughs> what is what is what is the dragon you need to fight year after year at TEDx Porto? I, I have several, to be honest. Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. I'll, just, okay. I'll, just I'll take them. Okay. I'll, I'll, well, I guess the biggest dragon, to be honest, is myself. 
I, it's um, it's a long, well, not a long story. Let's make this as short as possible. But a few years ago, when I was part of the team for the first event, when I was basically one of the guys carrying around yogurt and, yes. and, and making gift bags and all of those things, I at some point I stopped in the in the in the event. I wasn't I almost hadn't even got into the the, the, the the stage yet. So I was went to the last row. And I started watching and all of a sudden it hit me. How amazing was that? I mean, until then I was working the backstage and as most people in the teams, they don't have the time to actually watch the talks. And I finally had some few minutes to sit down and I watched the most amazing talks in my life. And it was, wow. whoa. Wow. And, and I thought to myself, um, being just, you know, an ordinary team member, that I would never be able to, to be on that stage, to face a thousand people, to, to organize an event of that magnitude and to lead a team. And not long after I was doing that. Wow. So overcoming those limitations as a leader, organizing a host were definitely my dragon. I'm, I guess I'm pretty confident about these things. I'm, I can still learn a lot. And what I'm doing all the time, when I'm listening to these podcasts, when I'm going to uh, TED Active and TED Summits and TED uh, Fest at New York City, is to talk to people and, and right. share this story, but also that this continuous striving to learn more and do more. That's, uh, well, as you know, you listen to the show, you know that I'm constantly trying to listen and learn more. And in fact, we hired a director of user experience this year, specifically after talking with Hannah at TEDx Wellington. And I just, I didn't know that you could, I thought it was like, we get some of the volunteers and go find some things for the, for the people to do. But having someone strategically thinking about that was something I learned from the show. And I mean, other than geography, I learn a lot every week. I absolutely love it. And I, I, and I also am starting to get a lot of new letters from people. There are a lot of new listeners who are coming on and hearing about us on Facebook and from friends. And so if, if you are listening, and this is your first show, go back and look at the back catalog. There's another 40 shows ahead of this one that uh, you will learn from. Norberto, when we think of all the things we need to be good at to do our jobs and lead our teams and be hosts and curate and all the things we were never, ever trained for and we, we just learned them by doing, what would you say your superpower is? Um, collaborating, organizing, producing, marketing, curating, partnering. Which one, which one do you, are you best at? Uh, I'll introduce another one. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the one that I think I'm really good at, and again, I'm still improving, sure. is to actually host the show. To be able to engage the people, to to give uh, the proper recognition to the speakers and, the, and, and tell a story from the beginning to the end of the event and keep on having things in the interval. So it's not just a question of saying goodbye to the previous speaker and then introducing the next one. There's always something new. For example, this year, as you've said, we have the event was held on April 1st. So we decided to not exactly tell a few lies, but to actually make fun, you know, have fun from the stage. Right. So what we decided to do, because the, uh, the theme of the event was truth or there was like, like Ted a few years ago. Um, actually Ted was truth and there we had truth or there. And we decided to ask a few, well, to, to ask all the attendees, what, what was their truth? What was there there? Some of them actually said that they wanted there. And oh. I, I brought some of them on stage. They had oh. no idea. Oh my God. In between speakers. In between speakers. Oh. So we have 
know, three minutes here, three, four minutes there. Sure, and it sure. was really fun. I mean, at this point, we brought three people on stage or four. One of them um, actually walked down with a fake, walked out with a fake mustache because that was her, her on there. She said, well, I told her, when she came on stage, I told her, you know, do you remember what your there was? And she said, no. And then I, I pull out a fake mustache from my pocket, show it to her. And she, says, she was like, ah! <laughs> she, she remembered pretty quickly. And, uh, and just a small thing, but it really made people, uh, it put people on their toes, made people uncomfortable. And that's what I like doing there. You know, it's so it's too comfortable for people to be sitting down for an hour and a half or two hours in each session, and then just taking all those messages uh, in a in a very I would say um, um, inactive way. You know, just just wait for things to come to come to them. I want to go further than that. I want to you know to make people uncomfortable, to make people rethink. And for, to do that, we do lots of small engagements with the audience during the event. I, I love how you, you think about the user experience in that way. And I'm, I'm curious. So here's a host question for you because mm-hmm. um, I think everybody has a little different philosophy about the host, being the host. Do you have a philosophy on how much information – you tell the audience about the person who's coming up. And then the follow-up to that is, do you say anything other than thank you uh, when they leave? Yeah. Well, when we introduce, we don't have to introduce a lot because we usually produce a brochure right. with a small bio. So people, you know, most probably have already read it. Read it so we're not going to say the same things again. Uh so what I'm going to do most of the times is just to, to lift a little bit of the veil to, to, without showing off obviously too much about what the talk is going to be. Okay. But I'll just kind of spike their curiosity. I see. Uh, okay. Yeah. Then on the way out, um, not all the times, but everything, every time that it's possible, I, I stay there one or two minutes more on the stage. I ask another question. One question that will um, – it's not a question of challenging, but a, a question to – to give more information for people to give more information, you know, to clarify something that maybe wasn't too clear. Uh, so it's not a Q and A; it's just just one question, and right. then just uh, the person leaves, and then the next one is introduced and comes up. There's another thing that we do, which is um, like most TEDx events that are a whole day. We have four sessions: two in the morning, two in the afternoon, and at the end of each session, we have a stand-up comedian who's been with us since the very first event, who does a wrap-up for that session for seven minutes or so seven not no more than 10 he makes fun like um not fun in a bad way but fun in in a nice way about the speaker so basically so that we don't take them too seriously either right so that's part of a a kind of a a rehash like a looking again in a, a a funnier way to those to those uh to to those talks and most of the times, he uses a lot of black humor. Again, a bit like Tom Riley does sure, a bit. Right? Sure, sure, sure. So he's, he's on that kind of grain. But the thing is that he does it respectfully in the sense that, um, well, first of all, he asks for permission before going on stage <laughs> with those, those, those jokes. But everybody laughs a lot in a kind of, you know, they, people sometimes even feel relief because something, sometimes some talks are so heavy. Right, they right. They really are uncomfortable. Right. And all of a sudden, this guy, who's really a brilliant guy, comes up on stage and kind of uh, uh, untangles things a bit for them. Yeah. 
I I love that. I want I want to go back uh, quickly to the host in after they they're done. They've gotten their applause. Then you step into the circle and ask a question, much like Chris does. He doesn't do it all the time, but you know, or Bruno will. You know, if they feel like like they know the material because you've been coaching them, right? And it's like, exactly. gosh, there was this one little bit you wanted to make sure the audience got. Do you? This is a technical question. Do you include that in the video that gets posted, or do you edit at the um, standing ovation or at the applause? We we edit that. We edit that. Um, I think the reason why we want to do this, the first reason here, is that we want to make sure that people in the room they have a different experience, a more uh, tangible experience, more you know, more closer to everybody's hearts. So. Um, it's very rare. I think maybe just once in the past we've, uh, we put it out with, uh, with the Q&A because it really was worth it. But most of the times we, we cut it out. It gets cut out at, at the applause. Got it. So, okay, great. I was, I was just curious about that. And then the second on the same line is the seven-minute set that the comedian does. Is that just for the in-house audience as well? What we do with that is actually we, we publish those talks, but not at TEDx. We put that on our own YouTube channel got it. so people can watch it. And then we create a playlist on YouTube with the right sequence. Right. So then we share right. the playlist and then people can see it. You know, that's uh, – if listener, if you are not an organizer you've uh, or just been to a TEDx or you just like watching TED Talks, the, the experience of going to a live event is so different than sitting and watching an edited talk and then watching another edited talk because you see them out of sequence. Cause someone like Norberto was curating that day, looking at those four sessions, figuring out which was first, middle and last. And he was playing with your emotions and playing with your, your intellectual ability to how much you could hold in your brain and all of that. And what happens afterwards is unless you're watching the live stream, hardly anyone ever watches them all in the order that they were designed. So uh, it, that's one of the things as an organizer that you have to be aware of that uh, people will probably never watch them in sequence. So you're the coaching to the speakers is to keep them self-contained. Speaking yeah. of speaking of coaching and that you've done uh, so many workshops, do you have like a standard piece of advice that you think is like, here's the thing you got to know veterans and first timers alike. Well, I think for veterans, I would have to say, you know, have fun. Most of all, uh, it's, it's sometimes it, the last day. It's like you've been training for a whole year. At least we organize things at least with one sure. year or more of course. in advance. And it's, it's like, um, you know, you're training and then all of a sudden you have a marathon that lasts about 24 hours or 48 hours, whatever. And you have to remember to have fun. I have to sometimes have to remember to have fun because sometimes it gets a bit tense. You know, some things don't go according to plan. But we have to, to, to build in uh, plan B and C and D and E like, like Reeves usually says in his, right. in his workshops. Right. So we have to make sure that if anything wrong happens, and it's happened, obviously. You know, if, if a, a speaker can't come, he's got to leave because of an emergency. We have to keep on the show as though nothing happened. You know, sorry right. for that speaker, but we have to. Show must go on, right? Yep, yep. So that's that's the thing that we have to, in order to ensure that we we have fun. This is not just a mindset. We have to ensure that if people are prepared to have fun, that they can they allow themselves to have fun by preparing first. 
like Hanu was saying a few weeks ago, that uh, we had they they conducted uh, pre-mortems, right? Right, 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 right. right. Know, we don't do pre-mortems ourselves, but we we plan ahead. We plan ahead for the worst for some of the things that we think may happen. They've happened in the past. That was definitely worth it. And sometimes we have plans that we that have to actually see the light of day. They literally just sit on a file and on on Dropbox right. or or Google Drive or something, and waiting for the right moment to kick in, and then we have a show again. Oh, I love you know, it. Some, sometimes things don't go according to plan. It's right. happened again, as I said. And then all of a sudden, oh, I've got something here. Let's go there. Let's let's find it. And and then all of a sudden, it's becoming magic. It's be, it's becoming real. I love it when that happens. And you're right. We do work so hard and we prepare so much like on the day of just, you know, quick huddle with the whole team and have, you know, just remember, have fun and, you know, don't, don't be so stressed out. And if we've done everything right and, you know, you've done, uh, many, many events now, what 12, where, whether you were crew or an organizer. So I've got to imagine you guys have it down pretty well. I would myself never even have been doing them since 2010 would never attempt to set up in nine hours. It's just <laughs> crazy, crazy. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't let that bone drop. Um, so now, you told me before we went on the air that um, you're already you already have started planning 2018. But the but you said something that really kind of got me, which was you already know the date, you already mm-hmm. know the venue, and you already know the theme. So I have yeah. two two questions for that. One is, have you already gotten your license for next year? Or are you, you know, how does that work? Because Okay, so these are intentions. We start working on the events, start organizing the events because right. we have to prepare ourselves, right? Right, right. And no, we don't have the, the license, but okay. until then, things are internal, right? So I see. Team, we get okay. together, Got it. we think, we, we have brainstorm about themes that speakers can talk about. And when we go to an event, at, uh, usually in the middle of the third panel, we right. say, so the, the, the first after the after lunch, let's say, yes. we say, by the way, next year we're going to have the event. If obviously, if the, the license is approved, well, it says that. Sure, as well. sure. If license is approved, we're going to have this theme on this date, on this location. So, you know, get that on your agendas, guys. You know, start uh, put, put that on your diaries. And um, people like that because people already... There are some some people that come to TEDxPorto every year. They don't right. miss of it. Of course, of course. So they like to have that planned, right? And I'm just curious, again, uh, coming up with a theme is really challenging. I mean, that's a hard deal. So at what point – so you have had to have thought of that Mm -hmm. before you actually have your event. So you're trying to hold space in your mind for – you know, one theme, truth or dare, or whatever your theme is. And now we also have to think of what we want to do next year. Do you find that uh, easy or difficult? Uh, it depends. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult. Um, we haven't actually nailed it down as a kind of a science yet. But what we found out is that in the last month, last month and a half before the event, we have um, a higher frequency of, of meetings. The meetings keep on having the same uh, duration sometimes a little bit more. That means that some of the things are already literally, you know, on their way to being solved. You know, it, some, it gets to a point, there's a lull a few weeks before the event where we kind of think we have everything nailed down. 
Obviously, we find out a few weeks later that it's not, but you know, there's a moment. There. <laughs> <laughs> there's a moment sure. that we, we look at ourselves, you know, one or two hours into the uh, into a meeting, and say, "Is this it? You know, can we go home now? It's weird. So let's talk about the next year's event. What we think it's missing from this event uh-huh. that we can start thinking about the next one. There's another thing that helps a lot, which is that our event is usually in spring, in the beginning of spring. So that's usually late March, beginning of April. Now, because we have Easter, that's usually moving, well, it's always a moving holiday. We never have our event within less than two weeks from Easter because of organizing, you know, timings and the other things, sure. you know, the things, some things actually close down for a few days and then we have to, it's difficult to work around those. So what we do is to see exactly, so when it's going to be Easter next year. So if, if Easter is, say, for example, at the end of March, then we put this at the middle to end of April. If Easter is toward is towards the end of April, then we start. We put our event a little bit earlier. Got it. And then we, <clears throat> excuse me, we got in touch with with um, with with um, the venue and just say, by the way, do you have that date um, ready available? So just lock that for a while until we have a license, until everything is okay, and then we'll we'll um, we'll we'll confirm our interest in in that in those dates. And so far, we've you know that's been. That's been going amazingly well. We never had any problems with setting dates, or or, or it never cha- changed the, the venue, or never changed the dates, never changed the uh, the theme. I I love that. The, you know, not every TEDx has a theme. Yes. You know, and I um I don't know. I've been a TEDster for over twenty years. I can't I can't imagine not having a theme. It, it as much as it informs us graphically it informs us curatorially it informs us energetically there are so many um, aspects of it that um, if if you are a TEDx organizer and you've not done a theme actually drop me a note I'd love to uh, hear your point of view of that of why why you've not done that drop me a note mark at hacking the red circle.com Norberto you have been to TED Globals, TED Fest, TED Active. You've been you've been to many, many, many TEDs. There's one TEDx though you've not been to that you would like to go to. If we could get on a magic red circle and fly to any TEDx in the world, where are we going? Oh, Mark, you're like a genie, but you're only giving me just one wish. <laughs> That's right. Well, we we might we could fly over something and wave to them. Exactly. Well. <laughs> There's, there's one TEDx that I'd love to go to, to, to go to because I know a few of the organizers, um, which is you know TED São Paulo, TEDx São Paulo, ah. uh, with Elena, Elena Crescia. And basically, I've met Elena a few a few years ago at TED Active. I've met a few people now, a few more people like Juliana uh, now at uh, NYC. And also, I met one of the people from the team who was actually in Porto just a few weeks ago. And uh, we just met because, you know, we had to meet each other. We couldn't miss, you know, we had to do it. <laughs> so we feel like, oh, so the invitation is there to go there at some point. But the question is, you know, having time and the money to go there. Sure. But it's it's the one, you know, the one in a stadium. <laughs> right, 10,000 people. Isn't that just amazing? I know. Uh, talking wonderful. And talking to her on, we had an interview, we had her on, uh, if you've not listened to that episode, go check it out because they did 5,000 and then they were in conversation with the uh, organizers of the stadium and the stadium said, well, hold it. I mean, you guys are barely using our stadium. You could double your crowd and still not even use a little corner of it. And so that went to 10,000 people and it just, they set up a whole television station. I mean, it's just, 
very and and when you talk to her, she there you don't feel any stress, mm-hmm. any pressure. No. She's just easygoing. I love just that. effortless for her, right? Right. It's yeah, yeah. Effortless. I'm very, I'm Amazing. very jealous of that. But I, I do have to have a shout out now for another TEDx that okay. I love to go. Please. Uh, in TEDx Luanda in Angola, uh, it's organized by a uh, you know I, I can call it my TED brother, <laughs> Januario Januario Jano. He's uh, a guy who I met in TED Active in 2012. He actually invited me to be a speaker there the, the next year, which was one of the most amazing experiences oh in my, my life. Oh my gosh. It's just just smaller events, about 300 people, and one of the closest amazing things that I've ever done. It's you give a talk, literally people are talking to you. You you, it's it's almost like it's not interactive, obviously, but it's almost interactive, and people are so engaged. Wow, it's so special. Um, it it makes me cry every time I think about it. And since then, other people that I know personally, they have uh, gone there to be speakers again uh, as well, and they always come back with this sense of magic of amazement of wonder that something like this can happen in the heart of africa it's just amazing it just mind boggles me i would love you to introduce us and i'd love to have them on the show that uh that sounds spectacular i would love to um i do i i don't have representation yet from africa and uh i think it's it's about time don't you think yeah let's make sure he's the first yeah. yeah, there you go. I love that. So uh, as as a listener, you know that I like to end our show with the the best hack. And uh, <laughs> you know what that means. And I'm I'm hoping you're ready for it. Give give us a good hack there, Norberto. Oh, I, you know, I actually, when I was preparing myself for this interview, that I gave this one quite a lot of thoughts. Oh, good. And one of the things I, that I do, one of the things that I, you know, everybody tells me, you know, don't do this, but then I do this to them, and they, they, then they start thinking again, okay, maybe it's good that you did this. So basically what I do is, um, well, most people usually, when they um, introduce their friends to, to come to their TEDx event, I would guess they would, they would play it safe. You know, like, oh, let's come, let's see how, if you like it or not. But I usually like to create huge expectations. I, create I what kind? To people, create, sorry? To, I create huge expectations. Got it. Um, Online, when I'm chatting online, which is, you know, writing or if in person, I'm, I'm really passionate about what it, it, this thing that I do and, and this amazing team that we have. So I start saying, you know, this is something that we've done in 2012, another thing we've done in 2015 and so on. And they are, I can hear that jaw, their jaws open. And, oh. and then they're thinking, oh, it, probably it's not as good as you're saying, because, you know, we always try to hype up things. No, 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 no. It's actually going to be better than that. You're going to be amazed. You're going to be blown away with this. And you know what? They always come back to me at the end. uh, Some of them actually, you know, sometimes we give out free tickets. Sometimes, you know, we have two tickets per team member that we can give away. And sometimes I give them, you know, if they're not sure, I give their their tickets to them. And at the end, they come back to me with tears in their eyes and say, thank you. So that's my hack. You know, what I love about that is it's free. It's, so the very definition of a hack is that it's something that's free. It's mm-hmm. something that adds to the value of the event. So I'm going to guess that create huge expectations is how you talk with your team. It's how you talk with your partners. It's how you talk to the speakers. It's how you think about the set design. It's how you think about everything and the way you write and the way you promote. And this is going to be the biggest day of the year. And it might be the day that changes your life. And you may 
I mean, I remember we had a woman come up and said, Mark, I have to tell you, this is a couple months after one of our events. She says, I was so inspired. I quit my job and went and started my own business. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I don't want to set the expectation that everybody's going to quit their job and start new businesses, but I love this idea. Create huge expectations. Norberto, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on Hacking the Red Circle and, and adding these great ideas and telling us, um, I'm still I'm, that nine o'clock. I got it. I, I got <laughs> those nine hours. I've got to come and you know what you ought to do. You've got to put one of those, uh, stop motion cameras like Elena did, uh, yeah, on her, yeah. uh, on the TEDx Sao Paulo. Uh, so we, we can, did that we years see, ago. Yeah, we did, I, I'll, I'll, I'll send you that. I'll send you the, the, the link. I want to see that because then I'll embed that in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us on the show. And uh, as you think of interesting um, organizers that would be good as guests, drop us a note. And by the way, listener, uh, same with you. If there's people that you would like to hear from uh, in uh, a future show, just let me know. That's Mark at Hacking the Red Circle. Norberto, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mark, for this opportunity. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.